the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. And 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. I have such a cool guest today. Joy Taylor, FS1 Speak. You guys may know her from The Herd, of course, working with our one and only Colin Cowherd. She is just such an absolute badass for women in sports, women in television, being an opinionist. She's cool as all hell. You guys are going to love this interview. But before we get to Joy, I got to talk to you guys about AG1. So I started taking AG1 because life is hectic and it comes at you fast. I felt like I needed to just have that extra boost, feel good in the morning, start my day right, know that I was getting nutrients that I needed to be at the top of my game. So AG1 has just made my life and my morning so much easier. It helps with my lifestyle, digestion, energy, the simplicity of it all. You know, I get up in the morning, I get my AG1 down that, then I get my coffee, I'm hanging out with the kid. And that way I just know, I've started the day off right. I've started on the right track. Take a little breath and on we go. So AG1 has honestly made my life so much easier. And the taste is pretty good. I feel like when you think of a drink like AG1, you're like, oh, am I going to have to like slug this back and it's not going to be so great. But honestly, like the taste of AG1 is pretty legit. It's got like a a, a melony kind of taste, I would say. Is melony a word? Melanie, it's Melanie. Anyways, it's pretty good. I think that you guys are going to really like it. Um, It's also great if you're on the go, which I feel like we're all on the go, but especially if you're traveling, you can just throw it in your luggage, have the package, mix it in with your water and you're good to go uh, for the rest of the day. You're going to love it. So this is honestly the best option uh, for, for easy, optimal nutrition out there. You take one scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 High quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. So this blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus. Oh my gosh, give me all the focus and the aging. Help me with all of these things. So sustainable routines are key. AG1 is my daily micro habit 
that just makes it so easy to absorb key nutrients, lead a healthy lifestyle, and just feel my best. Help a sister out. Uh, you know, really, no matter what the day holds, I know that at least I'm on the right track. So one scoop, one minute, once a day, every day. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you guys have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sesh. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sesh to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Get on the AG1 bandwagon, everybody. Now, that being said, let's get into the interview. Here's Joy Taylor. Joy Taylor here on the sessions. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you on here. I mean, you are such a like trailblazer in our industry. You are absolutely crushing it. Um, and we're getting into all things Joy Taylor, all things speak, all things Colin Cowherd and the herd. Um, but yeah, just wanted to catch up and see how you're doing. I mean, you and I, when we first met, we were like kind of sharing a, a, a dressing room when I was at Fox. I would like pop in and like take a little corner. And then I felt really bad when I was like, oh, this is like your full dressing room. And I would like invade a little bit. No, you were, uh, you were a great dressing room mate. Uh, things have changed a lot since, uh, COVID with sharing the dressing room. Um, but yeah, I mean, you wouldn't, they've done a lot actually. Um, I've had the same dressing room for six and a half years that I've been here at Fox, but they, they kind of redid them. So they're, they're nice. They have like a new shiny mirror and stuff. So does it kind of piss you off when somebody comes in there and you open your door and somebody's luggage is inside your dressing room? No, 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 not at all. Uh, I mean, this place is, it's like my second home. Like it's kind of like an apartment at this point. Like I have everything I need here to like live, but no, not at all. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's totally fine to share. Here's my big takeaway from um, invading in your dressing room from time to time was that you always have beautiful flowers in the dressing room. What's the deal with that? Is this a romantic thing? Is this just a, are you buying your own flowers? Where are the flowers coming from? Well, I do like to have flowers around, um, not not dead flowers though. So I have to get them out of here. Um, but no, I like to have flowers around. I like to have fresh flowers in the house, you know? So I, I like I said, like this is kind of my home away from home. Like I brought in a, a Febreze air freshener today. I have like a diffuser here. So like, I kind of live here. I've taken many naps here in between shifts. Yeah. So I just kind of try and keep it as I do my home. Those little touches make a huge difference. I'm a huge advocate for having fresh flowers in the house as well. It's just a little life, a little bit of beauty. But when I would travel, I would always bring like a travel size candle with me as well, because that was like a nice just get it in the hotel room, add a little bit of your own special juju. And I feel like it goes a long way to just make that extra space feel more homey. No, it is. It's important. It's important to like feel comfortable. And I, you know, we probably sound like, you know, bougie talent right now, but you know, I need my candle and I need them and then my fresh flowers. Oh, shut up. Totally. (laughs) But I think for any kind of like workspace, you, that's why people decorate, you know, they're off. It's a little Zen. Yeah. You just want to make something feel that you're going to spend a lot of time in, feel comfortable and feel like you and, you know, have a little bit of your energy and what makes you feel comfortable in that space. So I think that's normal. 
So how are you feeling right now? You are in the new show. It is up and running. I feel like that was like a very quick transition. I'm like last day on the herd. Now speak is starting like such a cool moment. But it's also, I'm sure, a little bit of that, like getting your feet back under you, doing a brand new show with a new cast. What is going on right now? Like, how do you feel about everything? I feel great. We are, we have two weeks in now. So um, that's, it's a big milestone for a new show. You know, the first week you're kind of like, everything's just happening. And so, you know, by the second week, you're starting to get your feet under you. I've worked on, this is my third show on the network now because I did Undisputed for two years. And then obviously the herd for a little over three years and now this new show. So I've gone through this transition uh, several times. So, you know, I kind of know what to expect at this point, but this is a totally new show, a totally new format. And we, the, the four of us have never worked on a show together. So you know, there's a lot of moving parts for everyone and, and it's at a new time as well. So that's it's a different schedule for everyone. I've worked mornings for the last 10 years, I think, maybe longer. So I'm still adjusting to, I'm like, what time of day it is? I feel like I'm always late for work because it's, uh, it's like the middle of the day when I come in. So, but it's great. The show has been really fun. It's a lot of energy. It's also an adjustment for me because I've done a radio, three hour radio show radio television simulcast for the last three years so it's a different you know beats meaning the segments are not as long you have four people instead of two people talking sound bites oh yeah 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 yes. exactly <laughs> uh, which is kind of fun because you know we can pass the ball around a little bit and you know it's not a debate show although we do you know get into arguments about sports because that's what that's how people communicate it's our love language is arguing about sports, but it's not a debate show. So, you know, one day it'll be, you know, one thing and the next day it'll be something else. And that is kind of the fun of doing a new show and doing a format that is sort of unique. How different is it going from working with someone like Colin and developing the chemistry with him over the three years to now pivoting, being in a new space, working with Emmanuel Acho, working with LaShawn McCoy? Like, what is it like just adjusting to new personalities in that space? I like the challenge of, you know, starting something new. I'm, I don't know that I'm unique in that I really embrace change or that I just am wired that way, but I, I like to look at these transitional moments in life and kind of like reflect on what it was and then get excited about the new thing without, you know, Colin uses that, that metaphor, you know, be a, be a windshield person, not a rear view mirror person. So it's very different, obviously, but we're doing such a different show. You know, I'm, I came from a radio background. So doing the show with Colin was um, in some ways easier because I'd spent so much time in my career in radio. And while our show obviously is the make a massive television show, we had a have the herd has affiliates, hundreds of affiliates around the country. So the show airs simultaneously on radio and radio and television are two very different formats. So it's a very unique show in itself. And that is three hours. That's a very long time for a television show to normally air. So, you know, I was very kind of uniquely used to doing a show like the herd because that's how I started in the business. So going from that to obviously very different personalities in, you know, Shady and Emmanuel and Dave is, is you know, it's a fun challenge because it's it's very different than what we've done really at the network and certainly what I've done. And it feels so different 
going from that like radio format and having those three hours to like really flesh out some ideas, really get into some conversations as opposed to moving into a shorter show. And now you're like, oh my gosh, we have to condense every little thing. You've got the commercial breaks. You've got all these other segments. By the time it's done sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, but I know anytime I've been in that position, by the time the show's done, I'm like, did we even talk about anything? What happened? Like, because it goes by so fast. It's definitely a different format um, in that regard, for sure. But I I think when you do Are you guys it, on for an hour? Is it? It's an hour and a half. That's good. Yeah. Um, but I also think because we pass the ball around so much, I don't really feel like I didn't get... If I'm really passionate about talking about something, I don't really feel like I didn't get the space to do it because you prepare differently for a a long form radio show than you would for a show like ours, which is why Colin is so amazing at what he does, because he can contextualize of a story in a way that is like, okay, wow, we've talked about this for 15 minutes, whereas another show would maybe do two minutes on it because he's looking at it through a lens of radio and having a conversation. And that's why he's, you know, uses all these metaphors and, you know, draws these parallels to <laughs> you know, regular life in a way that only he can do. And you're not going to flesh it out to that point. You're not going to dig that deep on a show like ours because of obviously we're spreading it around four different ways, but that's why we approach the topics differently and the segments differently. So I don't feel like I don't get to explore a topic as much. Um, I think we're just approaching the topics in a different space. Also, because our show is later in the day, you know, in the morning, you're really like getting a lot of reaction and like, okay, this is what happened last night. It's, you know, if you missed any of it because you were asleep or whatever, working or whatever, like this is what happens. You know, these are the reactions. These are the injuries. And then you have the next show that's sort of digging into the biggest topics of it. And, you know, there's the debate hours. And then you have Colin who's contextualizing all of it. So we're in a different space in, in the sports day, if you will where we can kind of get into the topics in a more, uh, in a different way as well, because everyone already knows the news. You're getting into like the meat of it rather than the news headlines of it, right? Correct. And and it's not really like a breaking news hour either. Um, So, so yeah, so we, we get to kind of play around with the topics in in some different ways um, being that we're not really giving people new information. We're just, we're getting into our opinion on what what's been talked about today. Okay, give us some of the call and dirt to for you to work with him in the capacity that you did for so long. Um, I will say, I mean, obviously I, I work with Colin on the Volume Podcast Network. Get our little plug in there, everybody. But I don't get to hang out with him that often. But anytime I do, I'm like, man, the knowledge that this man just like bestows upon people and the way he looks at things. I'm like, I wish I could hang out with Colin a lot more. You've been able to do that. What is it like working with him in that capacity? And then I'll have a hundred follow-up questions after that. Colin and I are weirdly very much alike, which I did not expect. And most people wouldn't assume. Um, I'm sort of an old, and Colin is not an old curmudgeon. So this is not the way that I would parallel that. (laughs) But I am like a very female Larry David. And I just, I have such like a high irritation level. So I never really get mad or super happy about anything. And in some ways, Colin is like that as well. He's like a very even keeled person. He really doesn't lose his composure over anything. And in this, in a lot of ways, that's how he approaches, you know, news and stories as well. Is like there's no need to get to take something that happened personally. This story didn't happen to me. 
this is my opinion on it. So, and, and we come from, you know, very different places in the world and very different backgrounds, but we really saw a lot of stories and a lot of situations from the same, I don't want to say lens, but we landed at the same place, weirdly. Um, we're both Capricorns. Actually, me and Anne, his wife, have the same birthday. So he would say to me all the time, Anne always says stuff like that. You sound just like Anne. I'm like, well, I'm your work wife. So I'm glad that her and I are aligned on what we're telling you. Um, but, you know, he was he was really an amazing mentor for me because obviously he's, you know, the biggest name in the business and does the biggest show. But watching him prepare for that show and the work and the effort and the care that he has for the show is something that I, I really respect because not that people don't prepare for shows, but people can get very complacent, certainly, especially when you've been doing it for a long time and you've been at the top for a long time. It's very easy to sit back on your money and sit back on the reputation you've built and just go, mm, I've already kind of done it. So the fact that he doesn't do that is very admirable. It's the Capricorn in him. Mm -hmm. It's the climber, you know, and he's, he really cares about the audience and really cares about giving a good show. We, when we started, we did not do a whole lot of the off the cuff stuff that we were doing, you know, particularly in the last year of the show. A lot of that also developed from doing four months of a three hour, five day a week show with no sports during the pandemic and at home. So that experience also really changed how we did the show because we had to really like lean on each other. There's just not, there's nothing to talk about. We're, we're literally covering the last dance documentary as like if it was happening live. Thank God that came out when it did, right? It carried us to the start of the NBA season. And we talk about it now and it's, you know, we, we joke about it. I'm like, I honestly don't remember. We, I blacked out. I don't remember what, how we did that. But it changed the show a lot, too, because, you know, obviously we went through this, you know, worldwide traumatic experience that everyone went through. But we were also the first show back on the network when we came back in studio and we just went through all these different, you know, phases and changes in the building and with the show and, you know, in life. So I think it, you know, I think it brought us closer as, you know, teammates and we could really trust each other a lot more. And then, you know, he... He's very laid back. He seems like he's like super serious guy all the time, sometimes on air. And I think people think that about him, like he can't joke with himself and, you know, he can't have fun. And that is just not who he is. Like he loves to joke around. He would allow me to tease him all the time on air, you know, when he's like saying lit too much and, you know, things like that. He's an incredible person to have worked with. Um, he really helped me, he was a huge advocate for me gave me a massive platform, trusted me to take bigger space in the show. And I owe him a lot. He's really, been, he's really an amazing person and he's an advocate for a lot of people and for young people in the business. And I think he shows that in his, you know, in his platforms as well. So I feel, you know, very blessed to have worked with him for the past couple of years. And he is a very special person. He has also gotten sensitive in the best way. Like he has kids, obviously he has a daughter. So he is, you know, I am not as massively sensitive person. So I, when I get like, when I feel a space where I'm okay being vulnerable around someone, it's like a big deal. Cause I don't allow a lot of people in that space for me. So, you know, going through, you know, this, when you do a show every day and this isn't, you know, complaining, it's just the fact of the business. You do a show every day. It doesn't matter what's going on in your personal life. And you can't let that just 
spew over everyone in the building and onto your teammate or on air. And, you know, that's not to say that you should, you know, torture yourself if you're going through something. Oh, I like to bury it deep, just bury it deep and let it yeah, me fester too. over me too. the years. It's great. <laughs> me too. And then I'll talk to my therapist, you know, in a healthy way. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you, you go through things in life too. So he's, he was there for me through a lot of, a lot of things as well. Um, and you know, was, was sensitive to what I was dealing with. So, um, he's just a great person. I can't say enough good things about, about Colin and uh, what we did on the show together was really special. And I'm glad I was a part of it. How was it when you had to drop the bomb on him that you were leaving? I didn't really have to do that. <laughs> Make the agents go in and do it. <laughs> so that was good. Um, but no, he, I mean, he talked about it. He said when he first found out he was a little, you know, he said he pouted. Um, I never saw that side of it, but he, you know, he said he was, you know, not really happy about it, but you know, he's, he's a big advocate of mine. And you know what he said, like, you know, good people want to grow and aspirational people want to move on to, you know, bigger responsibilities and different roles. And I can't be mad at her for doing that. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it came from being on my show, which is something I can be proud of. Uh, And he's right. So he was very supportive of it. um, And he, he understood, you know, my desire to move into a full-time opinionist role. I mean, this is what I got in the business to do was to get to this space that I'm in right now. So it was, it was a really monumental opportunity for me. This is what I came to LA to do, what I came to FS1 to do. And now I'm getting the opportunity to do it on speak. And obviously the platform on the herd is massive, but the role is different on speak is I'm, you know, equal to all the men on the show. And that is very powerful, as you know, in our business to be in that space and to have that, have that airtime and, you know, be, be the same. Circling back to what that's like, whether you're going through some stuff personally, whether it's crazy things that have been happening in the world. And as an opinionist, being on these shows in these big platforms with highly sensitive subjects um, and things that would affect you directly, how do you navigate those waters? How do you kind of manage that while staying true to an opinion, while it's still being a very emotional thing and just all that kind of encompasses that? Well, I really do not like to be reactionary when it's something that's serious. Now, sometimes you aren't granted that space because it's breaking news and you have to talk about something right away. But I really like to toss things over several times before I give a strong opinion about something that is very serious. Who do you toss those to? Do you do it internally or you have someone you kind of bat those back and forth with? I definitely do it internally. If it's something that I feel could be very controversial, I might talk about it with someone else in the business. If it's something that, you know, is, is impacting something that I'm not really aware of, then I will ask that person, how does this affect you? I think I'm a pretty intelligent person, but I don't know everything. And I also think that's a sign of intelligence is that I'm willing to ask questions. And I think people that ask questions know more than people that don't ask questions. So when it comes to very serious topics or things that affect people in a real way, and even things that affect me, I want to come from a place where I'm not speaking with emotion, where I'm speaking with power and with knowledge and with confidence, because there's always going to be people who disagree with you. And that's okay to have people disagree. But if they disagree, 
it won't be because I gave them bad information or because I'm speaking from a place of ignorance. So I like to really think about it, really search why, if I do feel emotional, why do I feel emotional? Is it right that I feel emotional about this? Am I being a hypocrite? Because that's the last thing I want to be in this life is a hypocrite, but give an opinion or a thought that is coming from a very real place. What I think matters most in our business, well, not matters most, but what I think is something is very important in our business is authenticity. What's difficult about that is if you're in the business for long enough, you change. We all change. I mean, I'm a different person than I was before this pandemic happened. Certainly I'm a different person than I was a year ago. You know, we're always, we should be always changing and evolving and growing. We feel differently about things. Our experiences change our viewpoints on things. And so what I might have said on air, you know, five years ago, I might not feel that way anymore, but it were, you know, it's the Scotch stuff like, well, you said this, like, yeah, well, I don't feel that way anymore. I now feel this way um, for this reason or for reasons that are none of your business. So it is an interesting, it's an interesting space to work in giving your opinion because everyone's not going to like it. And when it's really important things or impactful things, that's going to be elevated even more. You will have emotion and passion behind it. But I think asking the most amount of questions and spending time with the topic is really important for me. I think that's something really interesting that you just said too of, you know, when you're in the business for a certain amount of time and the world changes, you change and to be out there in a public platform having opinions about things and then yeah, down the line, your opinion changes and you're allowed to change and grow and evolve and learn more. And I think, um, I think a lot of times right now people are living in this like moment of fear of saying the wrong thing um, and being crucified for saying the wrong thing or, yeah, just finding a way to move within that space. But I think, yeah, just being as educated as you can and not giving out bad, you know, not wrong information. You're giving out the facts and kind of sticking to that. And I think it's lacing in some of the emotion with that. It can definitely be like an interesting place to maneuver in. And you do a beautiful job of it. I feel like anytime I see... The way that you handle yourself, whether it's on the herd, whether it's on speak, whether it's just on social media alone, I do feel like you do um, a really great job and you're, you're like this great role model for so many women. I feel, um, do you have any women that you kind of mentor or girls that, that you stay like in close contact with to help them kind of navigate this crazy world? Well, thank you. First of all, um, I'm really bad with flattery. I don't, I'm like, I don't know. Me what. too. I'm like, who me? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so bad at it. Um, no, I definitely, I definitely try to be available to everyone in the business, not just women, but particularly to women and especially to young black women in the business. I came up in a time in the business because I, I know I look so young, but I've been in the business for 15 years. So I, there weren't that many women in sports at all. And certainly none in the opinion space. So I didn't really have, I have a lot of mentors, but almost all of them are men. So I really leaned on the other women in the business who were my peers, who are my age. And, you know, I have a very, very tight group of women who are all around my age that we all sort of, you know, kind of came up together and we really lean on each other even now navigating through different things in the business. So I try to make myself as available as I can to young women in the business or other just women in the business for advice or, you know, Hey, I can't do this, you know, appearance, but you know, use this person. They're great, whatever. Cause we're, we're all we got. And I don't look at it as competition. I have guys in the business sometimes say that to me, like, well, you know, are women in the business very competitive? Cause there's not a lot of jobs. I'm like, mm, 
first of all, no. Uh, but also, more women in the business means it's less of a thing to be a woman. In. Exactly. That's the whole thing of breaking that down. Exactly. It's not just like, oh, that's the woman on the thing. I don't want that to be a thing. <laughs> I want I want to get past that to where just we are now a part of the business and it's not a first time hire. It's not the first time. You're not the only one. I don't want to be the only one. I'm happy to be the first of it, but I certainly don't want to be the last. And that's really how I feel. And it's not, that's how I live my life. I really do that because I believe in it. And I really actually think it benefits me as well that I'm not the only one. So yeah, so I, I do definitely mentor uh, some women in the business and, and try and help wherever I can, even if it's just like, hey, I went through this situation. This is what I think you should do or this is what you definitely should do. And I get that, I get the same feedback from people that I ask advice from as well. The start of the NFL season is here and the best place to practice your touchdown dance is on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It doesn't matter if you're a new customer or already have an account, you'll get free bets back if you don't win. You can bet on your favorite team's money line, point spread, or total. Find great players and game props, including touchdown scorers. Or you can build out a same-game parley for a chance to win bigger payouts with a small bet. So new to FanDuel Sportsbook? Just sign up with the promo code Renee to get started. That's promo code R-E-N-E-E, Renee. Either way, celebrate the return of football season with a no-sweat bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online, real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, so another thing that you were talking about is being a woman in that opinion space, and there really aren't a lot of them, and there certainly haven't been a lot before you, but you being able to work with Skip and Shannon, for you to be able to work with Colin, to work with these guys that have just carved out such incredible careers for themselves. um, What kind of things have you learned from working with them? One routine is very important. And I don't know how much of a routine person I was. I mean, I did do a a daily show in Miami, but it was radio. So I had a routine, but I didn't realize the importance of it as much until I got to the network level. And by routine, I mean, I do the same thing every day. I don't worry about where I'm parking because I park in the same parking spot every day. I wear the same type of stuff to work every day. I order the same thing for breakfast. Like I have a routine. What's your breakfast order? Well, when it, when I was getting breakfast here with, uh, with Colin, I don't get breakfast any, anymore here because I get here later, but it was uh, egg whites, uh, half an avocado and a turkey bacon or turkey sausage, whatever they have. Okay. Keeping it clean. Well, I'm a big breakfast person. I love to eat breakfast. 
I have to eat breakfast or I'm very cranky. It's, it's kind of like the only meal I have to eat at the same time every day. But the routine is less about, you know, being very like military and eliminating decisions that are not creative. So it's this Steve Jobs would wear the same thing to work every day. This is kind of his model. I don't need to worry about what I'm wearing today. I wear the same thing every day. Well, I get here, I have wardrobe, obviously. So, you know, I'm not worried about what I'm wearing to work. I have hair and makeup. You know, obviously these are blessings, but I'm saying these are not things I have to make decisions for. So I can focus all my energy on doing the show. And Colin is very much like that. And Skip and Shannon are very much like that. They really have these very strict routines for their morning and the show. And now Colin's a little different after work because he has kids and, you know, he has a bunch of stuff going on. But like Skip is the same, like he has a routine. And so that was one thing. And now I really love my routine. So routine and preparation. Preparation is so important in this business. And I knew about the importance of prep and had the way that I prepped for my radio show, but this is different and different formats require different prep. You know, how I prepped for Herd is not how I'm prepping for Speak and it's not how I prepped for Undisputed because they're different shows. Obviously we're covering most of the same topics, but you do it in a different way. So I might need different stats for Herd line than I did for, you know, what I'm going to talk about in Speak. And, you know, for Undisputed, I really wanted something that I know I could end the topic on, or I could start the topic on, or I could insert to kind of transition into the next, you know, block. So prep is very important. Skip and Shannon have a 20 minute meeting in the morning and they don't discuss anything they're going to talk about in. Ooh, I like it. Keep it spicy. They reveal (laughs) nothing. And it's very important to the show that it's not revealed. Now they have to know are you hot on this? Do you like this topic? You know, things like that. Do you agree or disagree? Yes, no, cool. Topic's done. Move on to the next thing. Don't say anything else. Now, then they go with their separate producers and then they prep. So that's like, that's not all the prep they do. They do an insane amount of prep, but the meeting is very short for that reason. They don't want to expose anything. But Colin does a two hour prep call before the show because he wants to really flesh out every single topic graphics we really want to get this graphic up there let's do you know this this segment here where we need to do blind resume so give me you know six guys or whatever so he's very he has a very long prep meeting with everyone so they're they have about the same amount of time but the preparation styles are completely different so speak i do i speak to my producer in the morning at you know for about an hour and then come to work, get ready, whatever, hair, makeup, whatever. And then we do a group meeting where we kind of decide who's going to go first and move things around. It's pretty short, but we do flesh out the topics a little bit more. So everything is very different, but it's so important to be prepared for the show. Totally. Nothing makes me more nervous if I feel like I'm about to go on live television. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's the worst feeling in the whole world. I don't recommend it. Any young girls or boys listening to this? Don't do that. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> and we've seen it go badly for people who do that. Yes. And I'm 100% with you. It is a nightmare feeling. It's the feeling that people have who are afraid of public speaking. There is that anxiety. You don't get nervous doing your show. I don't get nervous doing my show because we're prepared for what's coming. We don't know what someone else is going to say, but we know what we're going to say. And we know we can react to what they're going to say. So, you know, being prepared really eliminates that feeling. And it also eliminates the amount of mistakes that you're going to make because you're going to mess up. All of us are going to mess up on live television. 100% going to happen. Everyone's going to do it during the show. It happens all the time. Do you freeze when you mess up? Are you panicking? 
are you making it worse or are you just you know you keep it moving because you're prepared and you know that you know you're going to mess up at some point so it doesn't derail you so those are the two biggest things that i learned from from all of them is have a routine because it really eliminates the stress that you have before a big show and also to be over prepared yeah, I'm a huge over-preparer as well, especially when I was doing commentary with WWE. That was like a huge over-prepare, over-prepare. I also didn't know how to be a color commentator in professional wrestling. So that was like also trying to get my feet under me for that. But it's like with anything, with doing any kind of a show, it's just like prep, prep, prep so that you don't have to think about it. You can just freely speak within that space, educated in the things that you're talking about. And as things change, you can kind of navigate it differently and just to have all of the knowledge in your brain that way you can pick and choose what you need to bring to the playbook in that moment yeah I'm a huge preparer if I don't have time to prepare the panic the full panic it's just horrible and then you're not having fun I feel like the whole purpose of doing shows like this yes it's getting information out there and whatnot people want to watch you having fun they want to watch someone be entertaining and if you're like all of a sudden so rigid you're like oh shit I don't know what I'm doing Oh my God, what a disaster. That stays with you too, because one, if you're in a really big moment, you could fumble future opportunities for yourself by doing a bad job. And, you know, it's what you do for a living. Like if you're a professional, you should want to do a good job. And that's why that's what it circles back to with Colin is like he has so much respect for the audience, for the people that are taking time out of their day to watch the show, to not just you know, derail and talk about the sandwich he had yesterday for five minutes because he just didn't prepare enough for this segment. You know, people are interested in what Colin had for lunch, but for about 30 seconds. And then let's get back to Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's really important and it's a process. You know, you learning how to prepare and what kind of prep you need can change. Obviously, like I said, it changes for each show that I've done. But like what what actually helps me, like what information actually helps me to do my job better, you, the more reps that you have you'll figure that out as well. Your thoughts on the new Aaron Rodgers haircut? It's a choice. (laughs) It is a choice. You know, Aaron is such an, he's such an interesting personality because over the last three years, he's gone through these different like public things. I used to have a big Aaron Rodgers crush too, many, many moons ago. Aaron Rodgers is a good looking man. I feel like he smells like patchouli oil now though. Which is not bad. I have no shade on patchouli oil. I actually kind of enjoy the smell, but he's got that hippy dippy side now. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, going on ayahuasca retreats and, you know, is very much into, you know, the earth healing and such, which I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not, the ayahuasca thing was kind of crazy to me. Do what you want to do. I, I, you're not affecting me or my life by, by doing those things. But to me, something that is so ancient and deeply rooted in a specific culture and place and time to just zap it from that space and bring it to Santa Barbara or wherever you are. I very much believe in the, in the cultural aspect of that, which is what gives me the pause on doing it myself because I have respect level for that culture and the the people that used it at that specific time for what they used it for. Fair enough. We don't need to go into an Aaron Rodgers rabbit hole. I just wanted to talk about his hair for a brief moment. Um, How do you strike the balance between your professional life, which is like, holy crap, you must be so busy all the time to your personal life. 
not easy as a woman in this business that it's like work, 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 but also, oh, all these other things. How do you balance that? I think like everyone else, I'm still figuring it out. But I'll say that I think the pandemic certainly changed things for me. I think it did for a lot of people where, um, and maybe you feel this way. I, I think I was very much a part of the like boss babe generation where burnout was expected. You know, if you didn't have six jobs, are you even trying to be successful? And you, I had this immense amount of work guilt all the time that I wasn't doing enough. And, you know, I don't know that it ever diminished my personal life, but I think there's a certain level of, you know, pure relaxation and unplugging that you need to have as a human even if it's you're doing something that you love, like I love sports, love watching sports. I would watch sports, obviously, if I didn't cover, wasn't paid to cover sports. But the burnout at some point in the season is going to happen because you're just bombarding yourself with information. So I think self-care became a, a big part of the conversation during the pandemic, which I realized for everyone we're not fully out of. But, you know, you, you know, when we were locked down and we were unable to do what we normally do, and go where we normally go. That sort of transitioned things for me. And then, you know, just getting to his place in my career where I felt comfortable. You know, I worked with Colin, obviously. He trusts me. I've been in the company for a while. You know, I can take a vacation and go away. <laughs> it's funny when you don't feel that way, though. If you're like, I can't take vacation. I can't take time off. They're going to have someone replace. Someone's going to fill in for me. And then what are they going to replace me on the show? Like, I remember having those feelings at one point. It's so nice to be, you know, I, I feel like I'm a big proponent for like the mid thirties being like that sweet spot. You've done it. You've got the experience under your belt. You know what you're doing. You're so comfortable in that space. And it is a beautiful place to arrive at. It's amazing. But getting there is that struggle. It's that boss babe mentality of like hustle, 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 miss the weddings, miss the birthdays, miss all these things. And now to be able to take a little bit of a breath and be like, oh, right. Real life actually is important. It's not that work is not real life, but it just it can be so all consuming. It's really nice to be in that spot to go, whew, let's take a breath and catch up with some friends and go out and grab a dinner or go on a little vacation and like reap the benefits of this hard work. Well, that's the thing too, is like, what are you working for if you're not going to enjoy what, you know, that work brings you? I do think there's a point in your career where you should be hustling, you know, where you should be making sacrifices, I guess, but not at the expense of experiences you can't get back. You know, if your sister's getting married, tell work, you got to take the weekend off. And, and if that place doesn't really want to let you go, they probably don't value you that much as like a human being. That's the one thing, the one gap between, I guess it's Gen Zers. I don't know, like the, I can't keep track of what we're calling all the different generations anymore. We'll go with Gen Z. I feel strongly about Gen Z, I think. The one thing I do think they are definitely nailing is, nope, I'm going to get paid to do this job, this job, the specific job that you've outlined here. These are my responsibilities. I won't be doing three people's job. I'm happy to do three people's job if you pay me for three people's job. Oh, we were the we were the generation of suckers of like, oh, I'll do I'll work for free. It's I'm going to get this. I'll volunteer. Oh, my God. What a bunch of chumps we were. It's not that it didn't all benefit me. You know, there were experiences that I had for free that helped me. It's not that it was all, you know, a scam. 
but we were busting our humps. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I think you should work hard. I believe in hard work. I do. I don't believe in people getting taken advantage of. And I don't believe in toxic workplaces. And I think, you know, there should there should be a real honest conversation about, you know, honesty with between employees and bosses and corporations like, hey, I work here. I worked here for two years. These are my aspirations. Do you see me getting into that space? No, we don't see you as that. But we'd like you to continue working your current job. Great. Well, I will continue working this current job. But just so you know, I am aspiring to do this. So that is where my journey is going to take me. So when I leave here, don't be shocked. You know, and it's okay. There's, I was just talking to a friend about this recently. You know, her workplace isn't toxic, but she wants to advance in the space. And I'm like, it's okay to say this job that I have, I'm doing a good job. I like this job, but this is what I want to do. And, and I'd like to do it here. Am I going to be able to do that here? These are, these are not illegal questions. <laughs> and for our generation, I was terrified. I was, I would always say like, this is what I want to be. I want to be talent. I want to be an opinionist. Everyone I worked with knew that, but they weren't necessarily honest about if they were going to let me do that. So I don't have resent about a lot, but I'm like, you could have just said, we're never going to make you talent. And then I could make my own decisions. So I do think that, you know, as we evolve as human beings and we, you know, have, we gather more information, that is something that, that changes. But I do think you should work hard at what you do. And I think you should make the people who are around you make their lives easier by being a good, you know, employee and being respectful and being respectful of other people's time. You know, being at work, it's, you know, we don't like to think of it necessarily as a family, but you're spending a lot of time with these people. So a toxic work environment can completely drain your life. Thoroughly. Yeah. You need to be able to find a way to unplug the, from that and stay the course, find the thing that you really want to do and stick to that. Um, you being in this space and always knowing that you wanted to be an opinionist, what was some of the pushback that you got along the way of people being like, no, we just want you, we want you to stay in that host role. We don't really want you to have an opinion to then getting into that position I feel like work, I mean, I hate, I don't want to phrase it the way of like being a woman in sports can be hard on us, but I do feel like we're under a certain microscope. And now for you to be out there and like really having these like great, bold opinions. Um, yeah. What's like the pushback that you've gotten along the way through like your journey to this? Well, there aren't a lot of women in this space. So generally when you're an outlier, it can be difficult for small minded people to envision something they haven't seen before or haven't seen a lot of. They don't believe that you're capable of it. So, I mean, I've heard everything, of course, but, you know, some of the more common phrases, I guess, used would be, you know, like, well, you, you never played. So, you know, are you really going to be able to give an opinion about it? That's obviously very lazy and annoying because most of the men who talk about sports have never played and excuse me, but I was a college athlete. I have more experience being recruited and going to different schools and competing on a collegiate level and scholarship than most of the men in the business have at all. So I could go on and on about that. It's really not worth explaining to anybody who has two brain cells, but you know, that is something that you obviously hear as a woman. Um, there's also this, this kind of anxiety that you can't really spar with the men in the opinion space. You obviously have to be very unapologetic 
and confidence and not really, I guess, get your feelings hurt. I think it's kind of funny that people act like women are the more emotional ones. No shade to, to you guys. I love emotions. I think they're important to explore. I feel like we are, we're, we're far more experienced with our emotions. We know when to well, like. We're allowed to explore them. Totally. Yeah, we're allowed to be emotional at a younger age. So we're more aware of them. And I don't think that that's on men at all. I think it's a, it's a societal thing that is nonsense that men and, and you know, young men are not allowed to be emotional or they're weak. But, you know, you're not emotionally disciplined enough to do a show where, you know, guys are yelling or something. There's also the idea that you're only on television because you are pretty, which, yeah, of course I'm on television because I'm pretty. Most yeah, people duh, shit. It's a visual medium. So, yes, uh, hot take. <laughs> then I'm like, OK, well, at least you're saying I'm pretty. I'm like, am I too pretty for television? Because uh, in that case, I should be a model. Yeah, right. God, thanks for the back end of compliment. I'll take it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's always a weird one. Again, there's just this idea that the capability is not there. I don't consume sports the same way that men do. So I can't possibly have an opinion about sports the way that men do. And that is, I, I think, probably the biggest obstacle for women in the business is the idea that we're just not, we don't have the capacity to do the arguments, like to have the arguments about sports the way that the men on these shows do. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip. John has you covered. Download three and out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. Okay, before I let you go, we were just talking about this before you jumped on the Zoom and we looped you into it. Can we get your opinion on people freaking out about the casting of Ariel? I can't believe that this is um, a conversation that is happening. I'm not as surprised, I guess. It doesn't surprise me when people are racist morons anymore. Everyone has really weaponized the word woke. And I find it very ironic that like woke is an insult. I'm like, so you're, you are so dumb. You're such a dumbass person that you're telling me that being aware of things and like learning things is the wrong way to live my life. Like respectfully, you're too stupid to insult why am I wasting my time with you? You're literally too dumb to know that you are insulting yourself by inferring that being woke is a negative thing. Now, being woke without any action or real passion or sincerity is obviously worth criticizing because you're just saying things because you want to get trending on Twitter. You want to chime in. Yeah. Right. You just want to be involved in the conversation without any real effort or, you know, action behind it. But to dig into the Ariel thing, I find it really amazing that people are so racist that they can't have black people in their fantasy worlds. So people are really trying to have scientific arguments about mermaids, like full stop, pause. Before we move forward with this conversation, this is obviously me talking to this person that is upset with having a black mermaid. Before we move one step forward, 
you believe in mermaids? <laughs> right. You can't talk about anything else until until you say out of your adult face <laughs> that you believe in mermaids. Because if you don't believe in mermaids, then you're just mad that Disney casts a fantasy creature, something that doesn't exist as a black person. So you're so racist, you can't have mermaids who in the movie are talking to crabs and puffer fish. <laughs> And there's a sea witch who's casting spells. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Like, I don't think there's a word to describe what kind of individual you are. You're a waste of life. Like you are literally using precious life energy to be a void in society. I can't elevate you past that. What are you talking about? You're, it's a sea witch that casts spells. This is the movie we're talking about. So I saw someone tweet something or post, I don't know where, where, where it was. I love getting joy fired up. This is great. These burns are great, by the way. Oh my God. They said, what if they made Pocahontas white? Oh my God. Stop. Honey, Pocahontas was a real person. We're talking about mermaids. It's the same people who are mad about Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Like, just let me just make this easy for you. You're looking for the clan. OK, you're, this is this is what you are. It's it, what you're saying is not it's not even, I won't bother saying it's not logical. You're talking about mermaids and elves. What are you fucking talking about? Excuse my French. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What drives me crazy about it, and I don't have any of these people in my life, obviously, like I'm not, I don't have relationships with people that are upset about black mermaids. I just wonder sometimes how I would be able to even pretend to have a real conversation with someone. Oh, you can't go back after that. As soon as, as soon as that leaves someone's mouth, you cannot go back in a conversation and treat them like a person. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I would never have a relationship with someone like that, but I'm saying just in general, People have these conversations because the Internet is a place where, you know, it's not really real to anyone who feels this way. I just want you to find I don't know. I don't even know if it's like God or whatever, but you're a broken person. Unwell. You are unwell at that point. Yes, you're unwell. Let's circle back to the start. Before we have this conversation, I need you as an adult person to say you believe in mermaids. Ah, Joy Taylor, you are an absolute treat of a human being. I love what you do for sports. I love what you do for women in sports. I love what you do for opinionists in this world. You crush it. You are an inspiration. I'm so happy I got to spend like the brief little moments that I got to with you um, at Fox. Um, But honestly, just being able to watch your career and watch the way that you handle yourself with like such grace and poise, but still like some sass that will like mother F somebody I love it. I think it's great. I think you're the shit. And I appreciate you coming on my show. Thank you, Renee. It's so good to hang out with you again. Next time you're in L.A., uh, let, let me know so we can go get drinks because we were never able to do that. I know. No, that would be fantastic. Hopefully it won't be uh, too far off, but I would love that. A little hangout, some cocktails, talk a little shit. And I know we're not recording so we can get the, the real raw stuff. that's when the good shit happens, but we don't get paid for that, do we? (laughs) 
And a big thank you to Joy Taylor for taking the time hanging out with me. This woman is booked and busy. Um, I had to do the interview from her uh, her dressing room right, right after getting off the air. So much appreciated taking the time. Um, and you guys know what to do. If you guys want to see this, check it all out on YouTube. It's all over there. Get your eyes on that. Um, got some really great interviews coming up here on the show. And again, I like having like an open discussion and open forum who do you guys want to see on the show is there somebody in wrestling that i've not talked to that you want to hear that interview is there somebody outside of wrestling you name it we can try and book it let's do it hit me up find me on social media at renee paquette both twitter and instagram let me know who you want to see guys this has been the sessions the sessions